Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. So if you're looking in your inbox, both uh, email and also... Um, in your mailbox uh, for more information about our stewardship campaign and what that, what that looks like and what that means for us as Kingwood Methodist Church. So as, uh, if you are a kindergartner through second grader, uh, you guys can head to the back. Miss Whitney is back there to meet you for Children's Church. And in here, we are continuing our sermon series called Rooted and Grounded in Faith. Uh, looking at what does it mean for us as a body of Christ to, to live out our faith um, as Kingwood Methodist Church. This idea of, of rooted and grounded comes from uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And last week we talked about what it means for us to be a community of faith. We talked about our mission statement a little bit, uh, where we, we understand ourselves at Kingwood Methodist Church to be a community of faith. First and foremost, center of who we are, a community of faith, different from all the other social groups in, the, in our community, but we are a community of faith that is the center of our identity, that invites all people to experience Jesus' life-changing love, and that equips them to be and to make disciples who go out in faith to transform the world. We, as a community of faith, can only go as far together as we, are, as we individuals are willing to go ourselves. We talked about that a little bit last week and the depth of our faith will impact who we are as a community of faith. Today we, uh, we look at what does it mean for us to be a community of faith focused on Christian discipleship, Christian fellowship I mean. What does it mean for us to be uh, focused on, as we gather together as in, in relationship, to be focused on Christian fellowship? That, that word is a, is a really interesting word. It's a word that we use in a lot of different ways. And so we're going to help kind of hone in a little bit of a definition of fellowship. I remember uh, all the way back to when I was a little kid, some of my first memories of church were around fellowship meals. I remember uh, us cooking these casseroles. And the smell of a casserole being cooked and, and the, the, the joining of all of our casseroles, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get a little, a little taste of this at Thanksgiving when we do our Thanksgiving feast together, right? This joining of casseroles for a fellowship meal. And everybody brings kind of their best piece, right? Because you don't want to bring the, the, the leftovers to this, uh, this, this casserole meal, this fate, this family of fellowship. And so we bring these together. And I remember uh, the plastic forks and the, 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 the paper plates. And I remember the, the long, long table sitting across from a little old lady who is pinching my cheeks and talking to me. Yeah, I, I remember all these things. These, this is what fellowship was. 
It's to sit across from one another and, and eat a meal together and just and talk. Other, other moments of fellowship, I would, uh, we would hear, um, you know, like, join us, join us later in the fellowship hall or in the, in the commons for fellowship. And so we'd walk out into the commons for fellowship and then we'd, we'd eat snacks and then we'd just chit-chat. Right, we'd just talk, we'd kind of shoot the breeze. Fellowship became, uh, in my understanding, my definition of what Christian fellowship was, it was, it was the, the space before or after a gathering or a meeting where you talked about football and the weather. Right, that space where you, 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 you talked a little bit about the, the, your kids' shenanigans that week and, um, and you just kind of shot the breeze. Fellowship was what happened when uh, in, in middle school Bible study when you, uh, you didn't want to go deep in the, in the discussion, you just wanted to kind of stay on the surface. That was fellowship, right? We're just, this is just going to be a fellowship time. But is that really what the biblical understanding of fellowship is? So today I want to look at scripture to kind of recapture what it means for us to be a community of faith based in Christ, Christian fellowship. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 1, starting in, in verse 1. It's also up here on the screen. And so as we dive into the Word of God, let's, let's begin in prayer. Holy Spirit, would you, uh, would you meet us in the midst of reading the Word of God? Would you um, allow it to be uh, transformative and impactful in our hearts and in our minds and our souls? God, would you open our minds to think? Would you, would you uh, engage our hearts to act? And God, would you give us wisdom and discernment as we read? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. If you're with me in 1 John chapter one, this was one of uh, John Wesley's favorite books of the Bible, 1 John. Uh, he, he uses uh, 1 John more than any other uh, book of the Bible in his sermons. He loves, especially the, the love chapter in 1 John. But we begin with 1 John, uh, we begin with these words about what it means for us to live in Christian fellowship. He says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Take note of what's happening when you see the word fellowship. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we proclaim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out our, we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Fellowship, my friends, is very different. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. 
As we look at this text, we see a very different understanding by John uh, of what Christian fellowship is. And so let's dive into that a little bit. First of all, we see in this text that fellowship is sourced in God. If we look at uh, chapter, verses 1 through 4, we see this, this testimony that they have, this experience that, they, that, that the disciples have seen, heard, felt, touched. It is a full body experience, their faith. Their faith is not just something that they know, it's something that they've seen and experienced, they've known uh, to, from the depths of their core, and they are excited to share this thing. Verse 3, it says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may be in fellowship with us. And hear this. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship, my friends, is sourced in the triune God. That's a little bit of a different understanding than chit-chatting before and after a meeting. It's a little bit of a different understanding than this, 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 food, this uh, chat over a, over a casserole dish, right? If, if, if Christian fellowship is sourced, first and foremost, in the triune God, is sourced in relationship with God, then our, our, everything about Christian fellowship ought to be centered in Christ. It's this vertical relationship that we have that ought to be the source of all that, that Christian fellowship is. It should, should be the source of our relationships in Christ. The second thing that we see in this text is that, uh, that fellowship is relational proclamation of God's work and his word. That, that fellowship, Christian fellowship is a relational proclamation of God's work and word. In, in verses 1 through 3, we see all about this testimony that they have, this experience that they have in relationship with, with God. We've seen it, we've heard it, we've touched it, we've looked at it with our eyes. This word concerning the word of life, the life has appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it. In verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. They want so desperately for you to know all of the things that they've known, seen, experienced, touched, tasted, that they're going to share it with you. And that, that equals Christian fellowship. The sharing of testimony to one another. We've, we experience it with God and then we testify to it to our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is Christian fellowship. There's a vertical relationship with us and God and out of the outflowing of that, the testimony of that, the overflow of our relationship with God is then found in the community with our brothers and sisters as we testify to what God has done, not, not what happened with the Chiefs game this last weekend. I know all of you care so deeply about the Chiefs game this last weekend, which is great, we beat the Broncos. Um, Wesley was so serious about biblical fellowship, so serious about, about what it means for us to live in relationship with God and relationship with man uh, that he, he preached on, on a regular basis. Even after, after every sermon that he would give, he would give sermons in the pulpit and, uh, and a after his message became so offensive to the complacent church, they, they began to kick him out of pulpits. 
because he was calling them to this, this incredibly high standard of what it means to follow Christ. And, and so they would kick him out of pulpits here and there and all across the land. And so he, he said, I'm not gonna let the, the, the gospel message die. I can't, I can't not proclaim what I have seen and heard and known and tasted Then I'm gonna go to the field and start preaching. And so he would set up shop in the fields in these towns where the churches had kicked him out. And, there, and, and thousands of people would come to hear the words that he would say, to hear the gospel message. That maybe that's a, an indictment on the church that they, they can't hear this word of God because of their complacency. But, but when, when hungry and thirsty ears hear the gospel for the first time, they, they show up in droves because there's something profound about this, this deep call of this vertical relationship that John Wesley is calling us to. And so at the end of the message, he would, uh, at the end of every message that he would give in the field, he would call people forward, kind of an altar call type of thing. And instead of having them kneel at the altar and say a prayer to, uh, to solidify their faith, the decision that they had made to, to join in a relationship with God, a vertical relationship with God, um, in this kind of emotional decision, this emotional moment, instead of having them pray this prayer there, he would bring them forward and he would say, hey, do you guys, do you, do you five know each other? No? Okay, great. Well, you're gonna meet with each other this next week and you're gonna talk about your faith. You're gonna testify to the things that God has, has done here in this moment, in this day, in your lives. You're gonna meet this week and then the next week you're gonna meet again. And we're going to call this a class meeting. And that vertical relationship is going to be solidified in the horizontal. It's going to be solidified in community. This was Wesley's understanding of Christian fellowship. He said that this is the way in which we work out our salvation, he said. Specifically, he said this. Therefore, if we want to work out our salvation figure out what it means to be a body of Christ saved and and walking together, then we need to be connected to a community of believers and we we need to be regularly exposed to the word of God and to the spirit of God and we need to be surrounded by people who love us, challenge us, and help us to grow in faith. Man, we love to be surrounded by people who love us. We don't like to be surrounded by people who challenge us. Right? We love to be surrounded by a people who can be an echo chamber for our thoughts and our beliefs and our understanding. We don't like to be in community with people who challenge us. And that's exactly what Christian fellowship is. It's, it's, a, it's an understanding of God's relationship with me and how I live that out. And then I, I testify to that, to what God is doing in my hearts, in my mind, in my soul, in that, in that relationship. And that is how we work out our salvation. That's how we work out our faith, is in Christian fellowship. The third thing that we see in our text as we move down to five and six is that uh, Christian fellowship is connected to our obedience, right? So we see how we relate to God and how we relate to one another in testimony, that it is sourced in God, that it is lived out in, in relationship to one another. But in verse six, In verse five and six, we see this. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. If we proclaim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, then we lie and we do not live out the truth. Christian fellowship, our fellowship with God is 
is deeply, deeply tied to our obedience with God. You ever notice a season where you felt distant from God? More or less, that season is defined by our obedience. How are you being obedient to God? That's the, the kind of the, the, this covenant, covenantal language, this covenantal relationship that we have with God um, determines our fellowship with God. How are you living out holiness? How are you living out obedience? John is tying a, 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 a very thick knot between our fellowship with God and our ability to walk in the light and not walk in the darkness. This is, a, this is based in, this, in an understanding of the Trinitarian relationship. Uh, C.S. Lewis calls this the great dance. That, that in, in, in relationship with God, uh, that the inside of the Trinity, each part of the Trinity glorifies the other. Each part of the Trinity fully gives itself to the other not expecting to receive anything back, but if each part of the Trinity is fully giving of themselves to each other, then each part is full. It's this beautiful image that, that I can give all of me to you if I am fully sustained in God. Because I don't need you, this quid pro quo relationship with you in order to, to be sustained in my, in my marriage, to be sustained in my relationships, to be sustained in my friendships. I don't need you to give me anything because I'm fully satisfied in God. I'm fully satisfied in that vertical relationship and it frees me to give without strings attached. It frees me to pour out all that I have. I don't need, I don't need financial compensation in order to love you because I'm fully satisfied in God. I don't need favors in order to love you fully because I'm fully satisfied in God. I think this is, this is what makes, um, makes marriages work because it's modeled after the Trinitarian understanding of the Holy Spirit. Everything that I have is yours. And as we walk in obedience, we see this this. Um, consistent nature of giving, consistent nature of being able to pour out because we're fully sustained in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit through obedience. The fourth thing that we see in, in our text is in verse seven. That Christian fellowship is a journey together. Verse seven says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. If we are obedient to, to Christ, if in our relationship with Christ, we are walking in, in the light, if we look to our left and we look to our right, we ought to find ourselves surrounded by others who are walking in the light. This is the image of Christian fellowship. This is the image of, of, of pulling each other closer and closer to Christ. Right now, my, uh, my wife is in Waco, Texas, um, participating in a 70.3 half Ironman. Um, right now, she's about 35 miles in on the bike. She, uh, she, and after her 56-mile bike, she has a 13-mile run 
um, to finish off the race. I mean, she's a hoss. It's, uh, it's an un- uh, impressive. Before that, they do a 1.2 mile swim. The reason they put the swim at the beginning is because if you stop swimming, you die. <laughs> if you stop running, you can just stop running. You can walk. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a, it, it, they put the run at the very end, which if you can imagine running 13 miles after all of that activity, uh, I think she started at like eight o'clock this morning and isn't gonna finish until 3.30 this afternoon. They put the run at the end because you find a group that you're running with and, you, and as you're running, you begin to, um, to surround yourselves with other individuals. You see, our faith is meant to be done together. Can you imagine running that race all in your head? No, you surround yourself with other people who are running the same race as you that can encourage you along the way, that can lift you up, that can help keep you, keep you set, keep, keep your pace up, that helps you strive and move forward in, in Christ. John Wesley said it like this, Christianity is essentially a social religion and that to turn it into a solitary religion is indeed to destroy it. This is in contrast to so many world religions that try to present themselves as truth. So many world religions are, are wholly centered on self, on, on finding, uh, finding Zen, finding paradise, finding chakra, this, these, uh, these different, uh, if I can just get it, be enlightened as an individual, then I'll be, I will fully transcend. It's this, this, this uber egocentric focus. But in our Christian faith, there's no doubt about it that, that our, our faith is meant to be a social gospel, that our faith is meant to be done in Christian fellowship, in community with one another. I was, uh, I was recently in, um, in Yosemite National Park and we got to uh, hike around in a beautiful space. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last week, but um, after we finished in Yosemite, we went up to, to Sequoia National Park. And if you've never seen a great sequoia tree. I mean, it is something to be marveled at. We have a, a couple pictures of, of just the, the, the vastness of these trees. I mean, they, just imagine how much energy, how much nutrition and nutrients it, it takes to, to grow these trees. They're just absolutely tremendous. I mean, we, we stretched out as adults. We had uh, six of us seven of us, and we couldn't even make it, make it around like a, uh, a third of the front of a tree. These things are so incredibly massive. The thing that's unique about them is, uh, is you never find a, a, a solitary sequoia tree. They, are, they call them uh, groves. And so where you see one sequoia tree, you'll see a, a grove of sequoia trees. And you'll, go, you'll, you'll walk another mile and not see another sequoia tree. Uh, but when you find a sequoia tree, you find them in groves. They, they, are, they develop and they, they grow in these tight-knit communities. It's really interesting um, that these sequoia trees, their, uh, their roots are pretty unique. Their root system, you would think that there's this taproot 
that goes straight down through the middle of it that would, that would shoot straight into the ground and go deep into the ground to anchor this thing. I mean, these trees are, are incredibly huge, wide, and then they, some of them stand over a football field long, tall. Like over a football field, like it's tremendous. And these trees, their root system only goes about four to five feet deep which is kind of mind-blowing, but what we, experience, what we know about these sequoia trees is that, uh, that their root system might spread over an acre of land. These roots will shoot out so far over an acre of land and they begin to, the reason they grow in these groves is they intertwine their, their root system with the other sequoia trees around them. This is a beautiful image of Christian fellowship. When one tree is, is lacking in nutrients, when the nutrients of, of the soil of one tree uh, begins to be depleted, it will actually suck the nutrients out of another tree in order to be sustained. And they have this, this mutual self-giving relationship with each other that it says, I'm willing to pour out all of myself for you because I know that you'll do the same for me on the other end. It's this beautiful image of what, what it means for us to live in Christian fellowship. I'm gonna invite the, the band to come back forward this evening or this morning. Friends, I don't know, um, I don't know what your relationships, your Christian relationships look like, but, but I know oftentimes mine are very shallow. Because it's so easy to get caught in the, the trapping of chit-chat. To get caught in the trapping of, of these surface-level relationships that are, are focused on the, the, the sporting event that's about to happen or the, the things that our kids are doing or the, uh, the, the politics in the world. And they, they begin to, to just be so surface-level that, that they lose the flavor of Christian f- fellowship. They lose the flavor of what it means to, to testify to what God is doing in our lives and in our stories in that, in that horizontal relationship. We don't have language for that. If we look back to that Ephesians chapter 3, 17 and, and through 19, we see, um, we see the, the depth and the, the importance of these relationships It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, see this word, together, in all, with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And hear these words. I think these words are so profound for us. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Friends, if you do not have Christian fellowship in your life, you will not know the fullness of God. If you do not have, if you suffer from these surface level relationships that extend all across your life and you're not, your lives are not intertwined in a self-giving love with your brothers and sisters in Christ that is sourced in the Holy Spirit, that is sourced in the, the message of Christ, then you will not know 
the knowledge of God that, surpa- that surpasses all knowledge. You will not know God in a way that surpasses our, our biblical, our, our study, our, our, um, our just basic knowledge of God. You will not see and taste and feel the goodness of God. So church, as we, as we wrap up today, what are, my, my question for you to kind of process as you come to the altar for communion in a minute But who do you need to be in, in, in community with? How do you need to be sustained through Christian fellowship? Who is it that God has put in your life that, it, that suffers from these surface level relationships that you, you need to take the initial intentional step to go deeper? As you come to the, to the table in a minute for communion, Um, What does it mean for you to lean into the vertical relationship with God so that you can testify to the horizontal relationship with God? I hope hope that at the end of this service, there's there's a little bit of the gathering of the harvest that we can, that maybe we can put put a few of you in a group together, just like Wesley would have. That we can say, hey, you five, you don't have fellowship? You don't have Christian fellowship? Meet this week. Talk about it. Talk about what God's doing in your life. Because we are called to be a community of faith surrounded by our brothers and sisters of Christ in Christian fellowship. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space and we ask you that you would meet us um, here in a, in a real and tangible way, in a, in a manner that, that calls us deeper into your into relationship with you. We love you, we thank you, we give you thanks. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?